0: hey everyone this is jp real quick before we start today i want to tell you about an app called train your ears if you listened to the eq episode you heard me talk about train your ears and it's an app that really helped me to get my ear around the frequency spectrum so if you're struggling to hear 200 hertz versus say 300 or 400 hertz, I highly recommend this app to you. Go to www.trainyourears.com slash MPT, as in Music Production Talks. And if you buy it via that link, we get a small kickback and we would really appreciate the support. Thanks so much and on with the show. Hello and welcome. Each week on Music Production
1: Talks, join me, Chris Jacoby. And me, JP Ruggieri. As we skip over teaching you how to make fat beats and record screaming electric guitars. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And instead, we're gonna jump straight into having nuanced conversations about producing music that actually says something.
0: If you're a musician that wants to discover how to actually record your songs in a way that you want them to sound, or you're a producer that's looking to hone your skills, Or maybe you just want to hear interesting stories from the other side of the class, so to speak. You are in the right place. All right, let's get on with the show. All
1: right, welcome back, everyone. This is episode four, part two of our microphone series. Uh, Last week, we talked about some terminology around microphones, different types of microphones, um, what they sound good on, etc. If you haven't listened to that, it's probably a precursor for this prerequisite for this uh, this episode. Uh, last week was we were kind of all the examples where you're putting one microphone on something in isolation and what to think about with that. Now we're talking about more. Okay, you're adding a second microphone into the equation or multiple microphones, and what all do we have to think about in that? It gets a little more mathy and physicsy but uh, I was a C plus maybe a B if I worked my butt off math student and I understand this stuff and can record music so if you're at all inclined you'll be like this is super easy and if you're like me you can do this we're not launching rockets here mm. we're just recording music so that's what we're getting into JP
0: how's it going yes it's going well it's going well I'm coffeeed up and uh ready to go for episode two on uh part the two geek dive, episode or four part two <laughs> part two of the uh of the geek dive into microphones for sure yeah um today we've got some examples some sound examples of um some some different things so you guys can hear some examples of what we're talking about and uh yeah do, do you want to start with polarity and phase chris
1: yeah okay Not the same thing. Right. This is a big pet peeve of mine, hearing engineers that I know know better refer to the button on their mic pre as the phase button.
0: Yeah, Um, come on, engineers. Come on, engineers. It's polarity. Let's do this. Yes.
1: So uh, I think I'll start by kind of defining what polarity is. Um, Polarity deals with more kind of the electrical side of things. So um, let's imagine... A kick drum, okay? If you're sitting at the drums and you hit the kick drum, a wave moves away from you. It's like a negative surge of energy. If you're standing in front of the kick drum, there's a positive pressure coming at you. It will hit you, right? And if we put a mic there, which is typically where you're putting a mic, a close mic on a kick drum, um, when that positive pressure hits the microphone capsule, if everything is wired as it should be in your DAW, you should be able to see a peak at the front of that kick drum. What we call the transient should be a peak. Um, If something is wired incorrectly, that could come across as a valley. Okay. So um, typically our microphones, our cables, outboard gear, all that stuff, is wired pin too hot. So a positive pressure equals a peak. And what that means when you play it back is that your speakers actually push on that sound. And then as the kick drum dies out, you know there's peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. And so the speaker pushes and pulls and pushes and pulls, but it should start with a push. So that's like proper polarity. Um, So why this is important, it's not important if you're only recording one thing, right? it's in isolation it's not combining with anything oh hold up hold up <gasps> delivered to i think i just got a new mic guys hold on hold on i just got an update <laughs> oh son of a bitch they just no they just now it'll be here at one fifteen. okay i'm expecting okay. some mics i just got an update from usps um <laughs> i'm freaking out over here some vintage 414s um all right, so I don't remember where I was, but does that make sense, JP? <laughs> Did I do a good job kind of explaining yeah. uh, like the basics of polarity oh, we can talk you, more you, about? I,
0: I, I think that you stopped at, at why this is important. Oh, <laughs> right, the right. most important <laughs> part.
1: Okay, so <laughs> at, let's imagine we have our kick drum example, um, and it's recorded properly. All the mics are wired right, the cables are wired right, etc. Hit the kick drum, in your DAW, you've got a positive peak, and then a valley. Okay, take that same track, duplicate it, now flip the polarity. So now the beginning of that kick drum is going to be a valley. And if both of these are the same level and they're panned in the same spot, let's say they're just panned straight up the middle, you're actually going to hear nothing. They're going to cancel each other out. Um, Now, in an event where you're recording with multiple microphones, different sources, things bleeding into one another, it's not as perfect as an exact copy of a kick drum. But if one of those is flipped um, or multiple of those are flipped one way or the other, um, you can start to have these kind of subtle cancellations that can steal a lot of usually low end from your sound. Um, A classic example to think about is snare top, snare bottom. These two mics are facing directly at each other. So if you don't flip the polarity of one of them, Um, They're going to be like polar opposites of each other and you're going to get this really weird thin sounding snare drum, which I think at this point, I will go back and put in that example so you can hear it. All right, here is in polarity. And here is out of polarity. Okay, so you just heard um an in phase or in polarity and out of polarity snare drum and you can hear how much it can rob the sound. Like if if that's going on with several of your microphones, like it's going to cause you all sorts of pro- problems and you're going to be pulling your hair out trying to EQ things and the fix is to zoom in and make sure everything is moving in the same direction. Does that make sense?
0: It does. I, I actually one thing I wanted to ask you um yeah since we're on this topic, is a lot of times, like, when you zoom in, I found that, like, certain parts of it will be working together in the right direction, and then other parts are going in total opposite direction. How do you deal with that? Well, um, effectively,
1: you can't, which we'll get into when we get into phase. Okay. Um, But I think the main thing is just trying to make sure that everything – is in polarity and then going from there. So that, that should be kind of step one. And there's a few ways okay. to check it. Um, you know, if you really want to get geeky, you can get a polarity clicker. There's only one company I know of that makes one, it's called Galaxy. And it's basically like these two units about the size of a DI box. Um, and one of them makes this little like sound and you put that in front of your microphone. And then the other one you come out of your recording device let's assume it's a computer and come into this uh box and a little green light will light up if you're in polarity and everything's correct and a red light will light up um if you're not so you can check it that way um you can also like in the case of the drum set right like you can hit a snare drum and look at it you can hit a kick drum and look at it and just make sure that Especially if you have two, like two mics on the kick drum or two mics on the snare drum, you want to make sure those are working together. But as far as like the bleed from the snare drum into the floor tom mic, like maybe it comes in flipped and maybe it doesn't. Mm. Um, But you want to make sure that the floor tom is correct. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. So that's polarity. The uh, The other example, I'll give you where I've found this to be helpful. Um, one time I set up two singers looking at each other so they could like, you know, have eye contact and all that. And uh, in that case, it's kind of the opposite of the snare and the snare, snare drum, both mics are looking at each other. In this case, they were looking directly away from each other, like 180 right. degrees. Right. And in that case, you need to flip it. Too. And it was it was subtle. And the snare thing is it's much more obvious in this case it was like, oh yeah, it's a little better sounding. So Right, okay, right. Yeah. Um have you found any other instances where you
0: think about polarity? Um, I don't know. I guess I'm well, yeah, like if uh well, maybe that's phase though. Maybe I'm a little foggy on this. I'm curious to to hear you talk about phase. If we think of
1: polarity as like this electrical flipping of the signal, 180 degrees this way or 180 degrees that way, phase is a lot trickier because phase is like the timing of frequencies. So there's no such thing as perfectly in phase at all frequencies. If you have two microphones up on and they're picking up the same source, be it two mics on a guitar amp or two mics on a kick drum or there's two guitar amps and there's a mic on one and a mic on another and they're bleeding into each other. There's no way you can ever get it in phase at all the frequencies. Okay. So imagine, um, a speaker in a room putting out like a sine wave. Let's say it's at a hundred Hertz and there's a microphone a foot away. Okay. Um, And let's say when the sound gets from the speaker to the microphone, the peak of that 100 hertz cycle hits the uh, microphone. Okay, now you put a second microphone across the room. Which part of the cycle is going to hit that microphone? Is it going to be the top of the peak of that sound? Is it going to be somewhere between a peak and a valley? Is it going to be a valley? If it is a peak, those two microphones are perfectly in phase at 100 hertz which means they're also in phase at any of the octaves of those, which would be like 100 hertz, 200 okay. hertz, 400, all the doubles. Yeah. Um, But that also means that there's some other frequency where they're 180 degrees out of phase. Right. And I think right. there is like a, you could figure out what that is with a formula or something. Um. So, The the idea of, I'm going to get these perfectly in phase is impossible possible. yeah but what we are trying to do is I want to minimize the the cons like like in your example that you gave last week of putting up an SM57 and a Royer mm-hmm. on a guitar amp having those two sounds available is is valuable right you have a bright mic and a dark mic that's going to help you out a lot in the future crafting your tone how can you minimize the negative effects of the fact that those two microphones are going to be out of phase at certain frequencies and in phase at other frequencies and somewhere in between in and out of phase at other frequencies. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's really what we're dealing with when we move into the multi-mic thing is like minimizing phase issues. And there are some rules of thumb that we can get into, but I think really it comes down to, you just got to listen. And if yeah. it sounds weird, you're gonna have to move a mic or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so that makes sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? Okay.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, and um, that's interesting. I I never, I guess I never knew that about um certain frequencies will always be out of phase, and uh if you get certain ones in phase. That's that's cool to think about it like that.
1: Yeah, and I th- I think that's because we interchangeably talk about polarity and phase. And it's like, oh, it's in polarity. Well, it should be able to be in phase. And it's like, well, they're not the same, not the same concept. Day. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So how, what does this mean in the
0: real world? <laughs> right. Yeah. Because so, so, so say you've got two microphones up on a guitar app. Mm-hmm. How, how would you go about checking polarity and face
1: okay so the polarity thing i think would be pretty easy you can zoom in on the waveform play a chord or you can do this little thing where you unplug the cable and just like touch something metal on your guitar and it'll do that like pop through the amp i mean mm-hmm. you don't want to like do it too often you'll blow your amp up or whatever but that'll make a sharp peak and you can zoom in on that and go okay this one's in this one's out or they're both in or they're both out the main thing is that they're both the same whether they're in or out um, yeah
0: and and ch- just to be clear for for people listening like when when we're talking about in and out or peaks and, and valleys it's that it when you zoom into a waveform you'll see a, like a like what a sine wave looks like it's like it goes up and then it goes down so the up is the peak and and the down is the valley and so if you have at the same time one mic going up where the other one is going down that's what we're talking about by canceling each other out. Right. And so, yeah,
1: yeah if, if one of those was flipped, so one's going up, one's going down, um, it probably won't be a perfect cancellation like we had with the kick drum example where it's a literal copy of that track. But you can get, it could just be thin sounding and weird. The other thing that can happen with two mics on the same source is what's called comb filtering. Um, and if you, I, you know what, I'll put an example right here of what that sounds like. All right. Here's no comb filtering. And here's the same thing with some comb filtering. Okay. You just heard that, uh, one way you can kind of replicate that on your own is take a track, duplicate it, put a tiny delay, like I'm talking half a millisecond on it. And as you move that delay, you'll hear this kind of shifty. It'll sound like a phaser. That's what a phaser pedal is, is Mm -hmm. a copy of a sound slightly delayed. And the delay time is changing. And that's that comb filtering sound. It's, it's like someone took an EQ on your guitar and like notched out 100, 200, 400, 800, like really deep. It just sounds like this weird hollow thing. That's worst case scenario when you've got two mics on a source. Um, So the ways that we try to minimize that is you get the capsules as close to each other as you possibly can so that the sound from that speaker or that whatever your source is, is hitting the, the two mics at the exact same moment. Um, The other rule of thumb, which is probably the other big takeaway, if you understand how polarity is and you understand this rule, you should be in pretty good shape. It's called the three-to-one rule. And um, do you want to explain this? I I think this is something
0: you're comfy with. Yeah, sure. Well, it's basically, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but if if you have a mic, let's say, uh, a foot away from a guitar amp, and you want to set up another mic um if it's 3 times the distance of the first mic then you won't have phase issues with with it am i explaining that right yeah
1: i mean again you won't I, be perfectly in phase but you will minimize the phase issues
0: yeah right so for example if you wanted to set up a room mic um i'm just using a guitar as an example a, yeah. a good uh kind of safe bet if you wanted to do that and not worry about stuff being out of phase is to just uh times the distance of the of the close mic by three or more basically right yeah it's like at least three at least three yeah and then you'll be in good shape in terms of of uh phase although sometimes sometimes room mics can be cool i mean the the whole thing with this stuff too is like sometimes it can be cool to get a phasey sound yeah Too. this is this is just you know everything we're saying here is is kind of like the foundation of getting your your ears and your head ar- around the issue of phase
1: right so the example you gave is like a close mic and a room mic you can also think like imagine we've got um two acoustic guitar players playing their parts at the same time in the same room. If guitarist A has a mic that's a foot away from their guitar, guitarist B, their microphone needs to be at least three feet away from guitarist A's mic. Right, yeah. And if you just know that, that's great. The reason this works is essentially you're turning down the level of the bleed. So if we, th- about 10 dB, it really, uh, if, if we look at our snare drum example where they were 180 degrees out of polarity, um, that's less noticeable if the snare top and snare bottom tracks are not at the same volume, right? If you turn that snare bottom down 10 dB or more, yeah there's still a polarity issue but you're going to notice it less than if they were both equal so the way that sound travels in a room let's say uh you let's look at guitarist a with the mic a foot away if you move if you double the distance you move that foot to two feet the sound's going to drop about six db which is half the volume as far as math is concerned double it again to 4 feet, now it's down another 6 dB, so it's down like 12 total. So, 3 to 1 is approximately 10 dB of reduction. Right. So, that's why it works, because now, in our two guitarist example, um, and they're playing about the same volume, the bleed in each other's mic is not that loud. So, there are phase issues, right? Like we said, you can't be perfectly in phase. There are phase issues, but because it's decreased, you don't hear them as much. And what you get is like this, oh, that's a nice added ambience yeah. to everything. Yeah. Um. And last week we talked about the nulls on figure eights, right? You bring that into play and now you don't really need to think about the distances. If you use that null on the figure eight pattern to null out the other guitar player, that does the negative 10 plus a lot more uh, reduction for you and now yeah, the distance yeah. isn't as
0: important. Right, that makes sense, yeah. And maybe now's a good time to play these examples of cardioid verse figure eight so people can hear the cancellation. Oh yeah. You want to, you want to explain what this is? Yeah. So I, I just set up a microphone, a large diaphragm condenser, um, around the 12th fret of my acoustic and, um, played a quick verse from a song that I wrote. Um, and I did the first example will be on cardioid and um last week we were talking about the advantages of cardioid voice figure eight and vice versa um and so one of the things we were talking about with figure eight for all the people playing acoustic and singing at the same time um how figure eight will cancel out uh what's coming out from the side so basically i have this microphone set horizontally and i have the the side of it pointed up towards my mouth so the cardioid um will have some cancellation of my voice but when we flip over to figure eight you'll hear how much more cancellation that it has so um should we start with with cardioid sure okay here we go Wonder what it takes to write a song about you. One that makes you feel the way I do. Even if it Okay, now I'm going to play the figure 8. want to Pretty pretty big difference there um, in the sounds. And so you can see why if you were recording vocals and acoustic guitar at the same time, be great to have both of those mics on figure eight if you could, because then the, the vocal mics canceling out the acoustic a good amount and uh, the acoustic mic is canceling out the vocal a, a good amount. So you get more separation.
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing to listen for um, is what does the bleed sound like? Not just the level of the bleed, but actually the frequency response to the bleed.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting thing. So uh, off-axis bleed refers to basically off-axis, meaning if you're in cardio or figure eight, the side of the microphone, like the sound that's hitting the side of the microphone. On, you know, kind of going into extremes. Like a uh, on a ribbon microphone, you're gonna get the most natural <clears throat> sound on the off axis. I mean, on the on axis too. But I, right now, we're just talking about off axis right. versus like a large diaphragm condenser on cardioid. Um, you'll it tends to get a little phasey on the off axis bleed. Um, and it's not the most pleasant sound, especially in recording drums. Say for example, you know, if you have cardioid on the toms, Ugh. this <laughs> the cymbals just sound. Uh, they sound like shit. To be, <laughs> <frank>. <laughs> to be blunt about it, uh, but like it's so common. It's so common that people do that. And um, why right. is I, that? Um. Well, I think I did mention
1: last week, like if you got a wild drummer that doesn't do a lot of studio work, it's like, well, I'm not putting my condenser up there. Um, yeah. So you shove a 421 on there and it happens to be cardioid. And the the thing is with the close mics on drums, like, well, yeah, you could just skate it 10 dB and then you've effectively mm-hmm. followed the three to one rule, right? But not really because the gates open up on the tom fill and what happens after the tom fill? A big cymbal right. crash. So now you have this awful sounding cymbal bleeding through your tom mics, uh, which you were trying to gate out. And it's like, yeah, it's tricky. So, <clears throat> um, yeah. So, I mean, be aware. I, th- I think the the main things are like, okay, be aware of the polarity. Uh, make sure that the phase is working in your favor. Right, the cons aren't outweighing the pros, um, and so that's distances. That's also polar patterns, and then it's also just you have to listen to the bleed, and I think you just have to train yourself to do that. When you're just recording an instrument by itself, you just listen to that and go, "Oh yeah, it sounds like a guitar. Or, it sounds like a voice." Or hey, there's a little proximity effect. Let's move it, move the singer back a little bit. But when you have multiple mics up and you have to listen to the bleed. And go, okay, does that bleed sound good or does the bleed sound bad? I'd rather have more bleed but good sounding bleed than put everything in cardioid and try to point the back of the mic at everything and try to cancel it out and then I get this weird phasey yeah, mass. You know,
0: I mean, basically, cardioid sucks. <laughs> basically, cardioid. Sucks. <laughs> it really does, yeah. uh, especially God on has. large, large, large th- th- diaphragm condensers. The interesting thing is, I don't know. I I feel like cardio, car- cardioid on small diaphragm condensers isn't as much of an issue i right. feel like you and uh now but having said that you so you you just bought these old 414s from the 70s which That's right. coming in today Any and second. i and I, I know you were you're excited to use them on toms you were saying right yeah amongst now, other things i want to yeah all of course stuff, but of course but so that's a large diaphragm condenser so how what polar pattern would are you are you just wanting to put that on omni are you thinking
1: well they they have uh four on the vintage models i think the new ones <laughs> have like nine or something yeah like there's that. a ton um, of them uh my plan was to try figure eight and try hypercardioid and hypercardioid is kind of in between figure eight and cardioid Okay. And the the cool thing about using a pattern like hypercardioid or figure eight um, is you have a lot more proximity effect. So you can put the mic a little farther back so it doesn't get hit by a stick, and uh, the proximity effect will kind of make up for whatever you're losing from being a little further away from the source. Mm, that's cool. Um, you know, you do have to be careful putting it in those patterns because if your symbol is sitting right behind the mic, you've now yeah, mic'd gonna... up the symbol. So right. um, you just got to be careful with placement to make sure that you're aiming the nulls at things you want out, like the symbol. Um, but I don't know. That's what I'm going to experiment with. We'll see if it's cool. It might not be. And I'll be like, oh, I'll just put it in cardioid. <laughs> you know, yeah. but um, I think I'm yeah. think I try i trying to default to, okay, let me try figure eight, try to make it work. And yeah, if it doesn't, so, you know. So is, on, a
0: ra- on a rack, on a, on 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 a rack tom, how would you set up the mic to null out the cymbals if it was on figure eight? I'm just trying to think of it myself. Okay, let's.
1: And- I'm gonna picture kind of your typical drum set. Uh, you've got you know two two toms, you know one kick drum, one snare drum, nothing crazy. Maybe you have a crash cymbal, kind of to the left of the rack tom, and then you have your right your rack uh, your ride kind of in between the toms so if you put that mic right on the rack tom uh kind of facing towards the tom and towards the snare the sides are going to be pointing at your crash symbol and your ride symbol Mm. problem solved i think where i i see an issue is a lot of people put a second crash kind of over their floor tom um so that if you if you're in that scenario and you put it in figure eight well now you're micing the The floor time and that crash so i guess it's just a matter of um depends on the situation you know asking the drummer to move a cymbal or or just okay i've got to use cardioid it is what it is
0: you could i mean you could also or just put a small small diaphragm condenser on that drum yeah you could do that too
1: though i think having a large diaphragm on a big tom you'll get a little more a little more booty out of it but yeah yeah
0: I keep I keep thinking about that example of the uh, Soyuz microphones on the, the toms. They sounded so good.
1: Oh yeah, this is on the Creative Sound Lab YouTube channel. I love that guy's stuff. He He's does great. really cool experiments and yeah, um, it was really good explaining it. Um, yeah. All right, so we've talked about polarity. We've talked about kind of the basics of phase. I think we've covered everything. Um, I wanted to talk about. Okay, you've recorded it wrong already. Uh, What do you do? And Mm. um, this is my favorite plugin of all time.
0: Auto Align. (laughs) Auto Align (laughs) by Sound Radix.
1: For polarity, it's pretty easy. You just zoom in and, and fix everything. I mean, you can do a plugin that has a polarity switch or you can commit it to the track. Like in Pro Tools, you do the audio suite invert only thing I will caution you is like, if you have multiple playlists, you better do it to all the playlists. Or you, if you start comping, you're going to have like real issues, right. polarities <laughs> right. flipping back and forth throughout the comp. Um, but Phase, uh there's this company, Sound they make a plugin called Auto Align. And this thing is freaking magic.
0: Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Have you,
1: have you used it on guitar or just drums?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mostly use it on drums, but no, I mean I well that's not true. I use it on basically everything that is double s- sound sourced and then I, I I decide like there has been certain times where it just wasn't better. I just didn't think it it was better. On drums it's always better. It's just I, basically I say it's, it's like a, 80% better.
1: of the time I'm like, yeah. "Oh, that's way better," or I'm like, "It didn't do anything." Rarely well, yeah, is it true. bad. Rarely yeah. is it bad sounding, but basically yeah. how it works is like you put this plugin on, let's say like all your drum tracks that were recorded at the same time. If you've got multiple overdubs, you know, whatever. But, uh, and then you just kind of dictate one of them, like your kick, or your snare, or whatever you want is the reference. And then you turn this plugin on and it's like, it time aligns all of them to this reference And it'll change polarity too, because as you, if you delay something, then maybe the polarity does need to be flipped to actually be, yeah, in still. And I don't know how it freaking works, but it's like you get all this low end back usually, and it's just like, Dang I wish it sounded like like that when I recorded it.
0: So much punchier. I'm curious on how you set it up, because the uh, the way I do it is I first, you know, over overheads usually come to me in two monos. And so be, be, before I put them on a stereo track, I'll put the um, auto align on the two overheads and make sure those are perfectly in phase and then oh. collapse cl- that to stereo. And then that's my, that's my reference for the whole kit. So off of that, I start with a snare top. I get mm-hmm. the snare top in phase with the overheads, then the toms, and then I take the snare top and I send that separately oh my gosh you make this, is this not so what complicated you do? is this not what you do <laughs> alright uh, okay alright I'm curious well, how you do it
1: okay uh, first of all uh, I don't know I'd pick kick or snare as the reference I group all the other tracks and then in your group settings in Pro Tools you can have uh, like insert A right. is linked yeah. So I do that, I put it on all of them, I hit on, and I play the track, and it just does everything.
0: Oh, you do? Okay. And,
1: and I will say, jumping back to your um, overhead thing, That makes me kind of want to talk about stereo stuff real quick. The way that stereo miking works, it like, okay, talk about like an XY, right? Both mics close together. Because they're close together, there's very little time difference. So, you're mainly hearing just kind of a frequency response difference. Um, So, it's not very wide. If you move to like a spaced pair, there's a huge time difference, right? There's a huge phase difference between those two mics. And that's why it sounds so wide. So, when you're taking your two mono overheads and doing it like that, you're kind of reducing Uh, the stereo width. So, Mm. I would usually go ahead and put them on a... um, a stereo track and then treat that as one thing that way Let's it's not gonna collapse it i mean if you if you are listening to your stereo overheads and you're like oh they're a little too wide maybe that could narrow it down for oh, you Oh,
0: that's interesting yeah um
1: oh, yeah cool. I, I do it uh that's it's a lot simpler but i don't know maybe you're getting something out of it i'm not getting i'm like <laughs> yeah. shoot maybe i need to make it a little more in that's
0: depth. That's just how I, um, I've always done it. Like I just, um, but may, maybe I should try it. I can't say yeah, I've ever a watched little... a tutorial, so I have
1: no idea how you're actually supposed to do this thing. And there's some like noise floor gate thing.
0: Yeah. slider. I've never so, touched that. <laughs> oh really? Are you supposed wow. to? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you're doing it right, man. It <laughs> like, sounds awesome, so I'm doing it something. It sounds great. Yeah, no, because the idea with that is, is you're supposed to be catching like the 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 like uh, just the transient of the sound, so it could pick up on oh. the transients and line those up. So you 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 slide that meter up until just the peak of the sound is oh, it's catching okay. it. This way, it's just reading those transients, so it could get everything in in, in phase, right? Right. Yeah. Um,
1: should we talk about stereo miking real quick because this is an instance where you're using multiple mics but the stereo or sorry the the phasiness is actually why you're doing it yeah okay um so yeah i mentioned xy there's also space pair those are like polar opposites in between that you have ortf um or just a what would you, you would call like a near-coincident pair, like just put two mics kind of close to something and pan them out. The thing with all this this polarity and phase stuff is it, if everything's panned out wide and it's playing back stereo, it doesn't really matter. But when you sum stuff to mono, that's when you really hear like, ooh, these aren't combining well. So a lot of times when you're checking this stuff, it's good to listen with everything panned up the middle or even one speaker mono will be really obvious. Um, and then you have techniques like mid side, which is pretty wacky, but it allows you to control the width afterwards. And what you're really controlling is like, how phasey do you want it to sound? If you want it really right. wide, it's super phasey. And if you want it, you know, more tight and in phase and, all that, it's going to end up sounding narrower. So I guess that's all there is really to say about that. Yeah, we right. wanted to go super deep. Do
0: you ever mic anything in stereo? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I well, I think acoustic guitars are generally something that's either mono or stereo. Yeah. And I generally just think about the track and terms of what, what, whether I want mono or stereo, like what, what role is the acoustic playing in this track and how Mm -hmm. dense is the track? If it's a sparse track and you know, like a finger picking part, that's going to be the the main driving force of the rhythm of the track, then you it might, might be nice to have that in stereo to, to have like a wider image of it or not. I mean, depending on, on what you're going. But I think like the, I think the main thing with all this stuff is just like, before you experiment with it it's you don't notice it when you're listening you know it's just like oh there's an acoustic guitar mm-hmm. until you start like experimenting with recording your acoustic stereo and recording it mono and like building a track off of that and then you start to become more aware when you listen to it to m- music you start hearing it like i i started to notice that so many of my drum of, of my favorite tracks had drums that were like pretty narrow like they they were and as a result like i generally try to get drums as mono sounding as i can before and because i don't like first of all as far as like toms goes none of the music that i love has like the floor tom pan hard right right you know like and and but the overhead sounds too like a lot of the times it's it's you know, seven out of 10 times it's like collapsed to mono or recorded in mono. And I, I never picked up on that until I started mixing and I was faced with all these decisions and I was like, "Ah, I don't know. And then like you start listening to music and you're like, Oh, that's in mono. Interesting. Yeah. And so I think that's, you know, go record some stuff and, and get your ear around what it sounds like, um, in stereo versus mono. And, and, and then you'll start hearing that stuff more when you listen to music.
1: Yeah. Uh, I will say I've never gotten to a mix and wished something was in mono. Like it's either working or I'm just like, dang, I wish we'd done this in stereo. Uh, right. Yeah. So I think if you're on the fence, do it in stereo. You can always collapse it to mono. You can always pan them both in the same spot. You can mute aside. Um, Pro Tools, there's a plugin it comes with Pro Tools. I think it's just called like Mono or something. It'll take a stereo track and just collapse it to Mono.
0: Oh, um, I didn't know that. That's cool.
1: Yeah. And like you talk about the Tom thing. It's funny, like um, I've been listening to a lot of Nigel Godrich stuff and he's a big Mono drum overhead guy. Mm-hmm. But yet he still pans the Toms out. And I think mm. Rick Rubin does that a lot too, where it's like, kind of this mono drum sound. And then when the fills happen, it's like, yeah. <laughs> they bounce around. <laughs> it's like, That's it's weird. so weird to me. Uh, it's like I either want everything kind of up the middle or I want the full stereo thing. The other thing I, I like to do is mono close mic stereo rooms. Like on, like your example with the acoustic guitar, like where it's a sparse track. It's, I think it's kind of cool to have the the close mic be mono And so, it's really like solid and in the middle, but then there's this kind of stereo ambience. Because I was thinking about like the way that we hear stuff and it's like, if I was listening to the guitar, I would kind of feel like I'm looking at it. It's right there. It's the thing I'm listening to, but I would also be hearing some stereo ambience. But like the stereo acoustic guitar, it's like I never listened to a guitar like six inches away from it with my head tilted like... Yeah. Hearing it all panned out, but it also doesn't need to be realistic and do whatever you want. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. True. Definitely. So man, that's all a right. lot of, a lot of stuff. Yeah. But I feel like that these, should be these, helpful. These last two episodes got pretty, uh, uh, school esque. <laughs> yeah. We're, right? we're, we're going to get into the, the more creative side of things next week. Um, but hopefully everyone came away with some, some fresh ideas with these two episodes on microphones and we cleared up some, some topics for you for you yeah
1: and and i and i'll also say with with the with the topics of polarity and phase man it's like i'm hoping we just kind of planted some little mind worms for you because for me it's like man i learned some of this stuff 10 years ago but i'm still realizing it as Mm. i'm working on stuff i'm like oh okay that's what they meant that's why they do that it's like you don't have to get it all at once like if you just kind of understand a little bit, like you'll start to realize why this stuff's important down the line, you know? Yeah. Totally. um, Yeah. So next week we'll talk about something creative. I don't know what that's going to be, but um, we'll figure it out. We
0: got some ideas. Cool. And
1: that'll be fun. So, yeah.
0: Thank you everybody for listening and tuning into our show and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Music Production Talks. If you're enjoying this podcast and are finding it to be beneficial for your growth
1: as a musician, we would really appreciate a subscribe and a positive review on whichever platform you use for streaming.
0: Reviews and subscribes help us grow the show and rank higher in podcast search engines. Thanks so much again, and we'll catch you next time.